the top 1% of the top 1% of a military leader in the United States, Lieutenant General Stephen Quast. Not only has Stephen trained hundreds of thousands of cadets annually, but he is a voice for freedom in space. Ladies and gentlemen, please meet Lieutenant General Stephen Quast. Well, thank you, Mike. That's very kind of you. Steve, tell us what happened when you, quote unquote, blew the whistle and the U.S. needed to understand where we were in the space race? Well, I appreciate that question. It's, uh, it's like anything that's new is always a bit shocking. Uh, most people in the human race have not studied space, and it's uh, something they just know because a man walked on the moon and uh, it gives us GPS. Uh, th this realization of the power of space is always hard to absorb and it takes time. And you have to go back at it again and again and help people understand the implications. So it would be like describing to a caveman the implications of electricity. It would be hard to fathom because the mindset is set. So I ran into those typical human nature realities where people don't like change. Change means political risk. It means financial risk. It means difficulty. Um, but to help them understand the power of a vision of what we could do as a human race with space, if we uh, operationalized it for our own use uh, in a peaceful way, uh, that always came with some headwinds because people like the status quo. So it was, it was a fun journey of happy persistence where I never was frustrated. I never uh, was uh, accusing people of not being visionaries. You just stay at it. And eventually we got a space force. Amen to that. The act of freedom and having freedom. I've heard some people not understand what it takes to have freedom terrestrially. And they certainly don't understand what freedom means and, and how freedom is defined through space and from space. Again, you're you're a voice for freedom in space. You were a voice behind creating the Space Force. How do you see space um, being the, the, I guess, the foundational principle for what freedom can be, could be, uh, and should be? That's right. Well, that, that can be a very deep question because the definition of freedom um, is different depending on what culture you live in. Uh, there are certain cultures that believe that freedom can only you can only be free if you're in a cage where your government controls everything and then you're free because you won't get uh, killed by anything outside the cage. Uh, the American uh, um, ideology of freedom is that you have free will to pursue happiness uh, consistent with what you believe to be best and right about your values and your skills and what you love to do and what you're good at doing. Uh, with the limits, of course, of rule of law, where you can't hurt other people and you have to understand you're part of a community. Uh, so uh, I will use the Western and the American definition of freedom uh, as I tell you that uh, space is going to be more important to free will and freedom and uh, every human being's ability to make decisions consistent with their own idea of what happiness means, uh, more so than the open oceans uh, allowed for the freedom of commerce and the, the highways to new marketplaces, and more important than transportation, where the Romans built roads uh, and what that did for the economic blessing and the freedom of people to move around, do what they wanted to do and explore. So space is all of that on steroids times 10. And that's what is hard for people to get their brains around. And that's what we can do a little bit of even today. 
So speaking back to your experience specifically in, in uh, I think if everyone were to, to choose a word for me, government and bureaucracy really go hand in hand and almost synonymous. So here you are talking about th this vision in space. And even as a society as a whole, space has only become cool recently, thanks to SpaceX and a lot of uh, recent uh, developments there. How, ha how did you have to navigate to, to open those doors, really open the eyes and the minds of some of these leaders to eventually get them to see what it is that, that we have today, which is a space force, which is a space community that's very supportive of the government supporting space activities, et cetera? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And, and the answer is that I, uh, you know, we talked about freedom and the fact that, you know, freedom can be accentuated and the free will of human beings everywhere on the planet can be accentuated if space is designed properly for the use of human beings. Uh, but the opposite can be true. Uh, where if, if somebody who does not believe in our definition of freedom is ruling the, uh, the commerce of space, uh, they can impose on you their definition of freedom. Uh, and, and so this is where it woke up this big bureaucracy that didn't want to change. What they saw is that if, if another civilization uh, that did not believe in uh, every human being having equal value, no matter your race, your creed, your color, your language, where you came from, uh, if, if they did not believe that, they could impose their will that uh, these people are more valuable than those people are, or uh, you are subordinate to me and you have to do what I say. It, it's this realization of the nature of power. And when you go into a new economy like space, those that have that economic power also have that military power and the cultural power that comes with it. So this is what woke up the bureaucracy is when we were able to paint the picture of what this would mean. And so the analogy I'll give you is this. Imagine America was founded and when the, when, uh, the, the Federalist Papers were arguing over whether we should have a Navy or not, uh, that Alexander Hamilton decided to not build a Navy. And believe you me, the War of 1812 would have ended America right there and then had we not invested in a Navy to protect uh, the lines of approach from the ocean to our homeland. Um, and so that was essentially what we were talking about. Other people on the planet were building an armada in space, literally uh, warships and uh, ships of commerce, and we were not. And, and we, they could see that if you aren't careful, your freedom can be quenched out, snuffed out by somebody else who gains that kind of power. So it was the economic power and the therefore military power um, that we were going to lose if we did not keep up with this race in space that woke up a bureaucracy even as big and lethargic as the Department of Defense and the U.S. government. I appreciate that. It sounds, it sounds similar to the, what happened after the World Wars where the US was left standing with a Navy and we could control commerce, we could control military might, and that influenced how the political landscape, geopolitical landscape is today. How do you see the comparison between that and space? Well, it's, it's almost a direct uh, comparison. And, and here is, um, here's why. When you really study in detail World War II, the only reason we won is because we were able to paralyze the economy of Germany and Japan. So I'll say that again, paralyze the economy 
of Germany and Japan. And we did that with our ships and our planes and our tanks and so on. But it was primarily our ships and our planes that could strategically intersect where Japan and Germany were trying to do things to deliver goods and services, to produce things, and we were able to paralyze their economy. If whoever owns the high ground of space with the right capabilities deployed, which by the way, our competition is deploying right now, you can see and understand anything that's moving anywhere on the planet and you can stop it, you can paralyze it for pennies on the dollar because it's a neural network. It's not a linear delivery. You know, If you were doing it the World War II way, you would have to sail a ship, an aircraft carrier over to Japan with an airplane and then go and, and, and take out a target, okay? Or stop a ship. In space, you have a network of satellites that can see something and almost instantly paralyze it using all kinds of techniques from directed energy to electromagnetic uh, tactical pulses uh, to kinetic uh, capability. And because it's a neural network, it, it benefits from the attribute of requiring very little cost. Meaning that once the infrastructure is put together, it's very little cost to take out one or a hundred targets. Whereas the old fashioned World War II way, if you wanted to take out a target in Japan and then in Germany and in South America, you, you had to actually spend three times the amount of money because you had to go on a separate linear path uh, to get to the target. Not so in space. So the competitive advantage economically of being able to paralyze another civilization, if you have the high ground of space first and they are not there with you, is so overwhelming. Uh, that this is why we have to keep up with this, or we could be the victims of a World War III um, by people that you know, put very little investment in the infrastructure. It won't be like America where we had three years to build an industrial base and thousands of ships and thousands of planes and then deploy them all over the world. This could be a very modest investment in capabilities in space and they could instantly see and paralyze any activity in the energy market, the transportation market, um, uh, the communication market, uh, and, and immediately paralyze all the economies around the world that have become so dependent on the electron, whether it be in the SCADA systems of our cars that can't start unless you have electricity, or our information systems where you can't talk unless you have electricity. Is there... I feel like everything you just said talked about a sense of urgency, a sense of urgency we haven't seen. Why Why do you think that is happening now? Because I feel the urgency. We hear the term space race. We hear the, the term race for freedom. Why Why do you see that as, as a why now? Why is that happening today? Right. Well, these, these things take time to build up and it... Um and uh, civilizations are slow to come to the recognition. I mean, look how long it took America to decide that it was important to enter World War II or we would all be speaking German or Japanese. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with those languages, uh, those cultures are wonderful, but it was the leaders, it was the tyrants that wanted to subjugate American freedoms to their idea of how we should serve them. Um, so I think that this has been growing for a long time. And I think one of the reasons why it is uh, hitting a tipping point is because people are starting to recognize how dependent they are on space already. For example, if I just described your day tomorrow, if you did not have space, your cell phone wouldn't work, the ATM wouldn't work, your banking systems wouldn't work, your 
your car, uh, you know, may be able to start. But if somebody uh, did something with electromagnetic spectrum, your car wouldn't even start. Uh, so a day without space is a day without an economy in America. And I think people are starting to realize how dependent we are. And then that's coupled with what they see going on in other countries that are investing in space, primarily China and Russia. And they see them doing things that they know we are not doing. Even the hypersonic vehicles that China has been showing us that operate in the mesosphere and can operate in a way where we can't see or target them if they came after us because of the way they maneuver. Our systems were never designed to be able to even look in that area because we assumed it would always be a nice hyperbolic path. You can see that all of these elements are starting to arise in the minds of strategists and economists that understand the consequences if we don't keep up. And so this slow drumbeat has been growing. I've been seeing it behind the scenes for 30 years. Uh, for most Americans, it's just now poking out of the surface of consciousness, but it's been there for a while and it's been growing. I appreciate the the context there. With your background as a, as a fighter pilot, as a, a retired Lieutenant General uh, of the Air Force, the the invention of the air force the development of actually creating the air force what are the, i don't think the average um citizen understands how that happened but how did that happen and what are the correlations to the birth of the space force right well this is uh, really a, a very good question and so i'll uh, keep it brief because there are people that have written thousands of volumes of history on why uh but ultimately it comes down to this human nature is a funny thing and when you give a group of people a job, they do that job really good. And if you have another job that you need done and you're competing with somebody else that's going to do that same job, you need to give the, a separate group of people the mission of doing that job. If you try to divide it, if you try to give the same group of people. So I'll take the Air Force and the Space Force as an example. Um, if you give the Air Force the job of dominating uh, the, uh, the peaceful coexistence of the space economy, well, now you've given them two jobs. One job is air power in the terrestrial realm, and the other job is space power. And uh, the two are very different things. And, and so the reason the Air Force was born back in 1947 is because the World War II experience made the entire country, the leaders of the country, realize that uh, we will never compete in the aviation industry economically uh, if we cannot secure it with a force that is dedicated and focused just on that one thing. It goes back to this age old uh, principle in business. You know, it's, it's the hedgehog principle. The hedgehog just knows one thing and it does one thing really well. And if you want to move fast with one thing like the defense of space, the only way to do it with human beings is to give a group of human beings only that mission and don't dilute it with a bunch of other things that compete with the money and the vision and the strategy to win that race. And right now we have competitors out there in space that have done that very thing. They have dedicated one group of people with one mission and a lot of money to dominate the space economy. And if we had not done this, where we gave a group of people the dedicated mission of defending space, we would already be much further behind than we are already. So it was rooted in human nature, the understanding that the Air Force had to be independent and separate. And now that same recognition with space, it has to be separate and it has to be independent. When I when I hear that, I, I'm thinking 
uh, in dimensions. So if prior to the Air Force, we were only thinking 2D, northeast, southwest, and then the Air Force was was an addition of a zenith where you're now going into the air. And I believe the U.S. Air Force is one of the mightiest forces on the planet. And and if, if you were to, to think about how we've developed that Air Force into a third dimension, space is an extension of that, which I think was the kind of the argument between Air Force versus Space Force. Why do you, you know, we're, we're going up, we're going above. But the environment, I think, to your point is, I guess I would say, blue ocean versus black ocean. It is a very different environment altogether. Right. And this is where I, um, I, I know that Congress has made a decision to take a, a small steps here. So uh, the, the Space Force is still part of the Air Force. So it still competes for money. When the decision makers in the Air Force have $1 left, they have to decide, do I spend that on an airplane or do I spend that on space capability? And because they are the Air Force, they generally will spend it on an airplane and not space capability. So this is where the we need a vision in this country where if we really want to compete in the commerce of space, uh, we have to give the Space Force independence so they can do things like the rules of the road, you know, like uh, we and, and the uh, Corps of Engineers to build things like the Army Corps of Engineers did for the industry of America and the foundation of our industry. So uh, we have work to do because um, the uh, Army Air Corps was under the Army through World War II. And it was that disaster of command and control and unity of command and the money being spent on the wrong things because the Army thought about the infantrymen and the rifle as being the main event. And they didn't think about the airplane being the main event when it was discovered that the airplane was the game changer in paralyzing the enemy's economy, that's when they made it independent. We need to break away from the Air Force. The Space Force has to be independent or it will always be subordinate and subjected uh, to the financial realities of an Air Force that puts air power before space power. I think this is a perfect segue. You've given us a common language to, to understand our historical presence and our current uh, state of, state of uh, affairs. You're familiar with Nebula, um, but but before we get into Nebula itself, what is your vision for space? Now that we all have a common language for what has happened, what do you believe the future should be? Well, um, th this, this goes back to when you study all 22 civilizations that have ever existed and the reason why they all failed. Uh, there's one common denominator, and that is they fail because of a lack of vision that eventually degrades them into a second, third, fourth rate power that gets either consumed or overtaken by another civilization that has vision and guts and courage. And, and so th this is um, the vision for America to preserve our freedom. And, and I, I'm gonna frame it this way because I believe that this is that existential to our future. If America wants its children and grandchildren to live in the same free air that we live in now, we must have a vision where we move into space and bring all of the capabilities that we have terrestrially. So rules of the road. So people know which side of the road to, to drive on so they don't crash into each other. Rule of law. Um, the principle that if you put the risk and the work into a business in space, you get to keep the rewards that nobody else can steal it. And if somebody does steal it, there's somebody to hold them accountable. Uh, these values that are enshrined in our constitution 
have to extend into space and you have to have the the police force, the Coast Guard, the, the Navy, you know, the, the, the people that are the guardians of freedom. And that's why they call them guardians. They just need to take the next step at giving them the authorities to do what the Coast Guard does right now. If a Coast Guard intercepts a ship coming in uh, from a different country, they can search it. And if they find drugs or human trafficking, they can arrest them. That has to be in space too. So the vision is this though, put simply, if America does not invest significant resources in the development of the space economy, we will lose our freedoms slowly and surely over time because other countries that see the power of space and the relatively low cost for high return on investment in military power, economic power, and political power, they will overtake America and America will slowly be strangled. Uh, or paralyzed intentionally if somebody wants to get aggressive. But if not, we will be slowly strangulated over decades and become a fifth-rate power that is subjugated to the ideas, the rules, and the, and the mindset of other civilizations on the planet. And it will be the end of this great experiment of our Constitution being the hallmark of creativity and economic growth, lifting millions of people out of poverty. That's the experience of the American Constitution. And lest we forget that, we will move away from the best thing that ever happened to humanity if we do not have a vision of operationalizing space for the economy of the globe with the rule of law consistent with our Constitution. Amen to that. As you know, Nebula started when I was holding my son when he was a month old, and I had that visceral experience, why doesn't he have the future he deserves? Uh, he's now almost four, um, so so we're doing doing what we can. Steve, I was introduced to you by a mutual friend of ours, and I was immediately struck, and, and you've heard me say this already, by your passion and understanding of freedom and freedom for space. And, and I do believe you're you're one of the, the spokesmen for, for how we should do this uh, going forward. You're familiar with me. You're familiar with Nebula. What attracted you to Nebula from your perspective and your experience uh, that that really wanted you to or, or in, encouraged you to engage. Yeah, no, that's good. And and before I tell you why I was interested in Nebula, I need to make sure your uh, viewers understand that I did something that uh, uh, most generals do not do, most retired generals do not do, and that is I took no money from anybody that I worked with or knew uh, in this industrial military complex out there. Uh, and the reason I did that is because it allows me to look and see agnostically without any bias what is going on in the space industrial base and give advice and be helpful. But what I saw, so, so basically this advice, you know, when I go to Congress and talk to them, that's the question, who pays your check? And when I can tell them nobody, then they let me in and they're willing to listen to me. If I even say that Lockheed Martin pays my check, they can't believe anything I say because everything is colored by the fact that people work in their own self-interest. And when you get a paycheck, you are obligated to speak the narrative of the people that are paying you. So this is a very powerful thing so that people know that these words are not words that are influenced by any uh, monetary compensation. They are true and as honest as, uh, as possible in the study of the entire industry of space. And that is Nebula. Was a, I was attracted to because it started at the foundation of all competitive advantage economically. And I would extend that. 
no human being can do the right thing or spend money in the right way or have a strategy that will achieve what they want to achieve if they do not know what is going on around them. Our eyes and our ears and our sense of feel and smell and touch, these are the sensors that help us understand what is going on. And so in the art of war, for example, the first thing you do is know your enemy and know yourself. So you're not deceiving yourself and you're not deceived by your enemy because you understand their character, you understand their culture, you understand their mindset and the way they think. But if you do not have the information to be able to make that leap of understanding, if you don't know what's going on around you because you can be deceived by others, your actions are incongruent with your strategy and your goal. And this is why Nebula is so powerful. Nebula is the first company that is moving faster than all others with a novel idea that is so useful at operationalizing the computation in cislunar space such that the human race can not only see what's going on globally, but they can understand what that means for them and what they can do about it. This is for businesses. This is for uh, military security. This is for um, people socially, culturally. Uh, this is for NGOs that want to bless people and bring them water and food. Nebula is building the information infrastructure in space that is the foundation of anything. It's the, in the military, the analogy is the scouts. No decision is made on a military move until the scouts tell you what's going on out there. And right now we have no scouts in space. Because most people think that space, when they watch the movies, they think, you know, you see something in, from space and you know it on the ground. It's not true. It would be like having a, a high definition television. That's the sensor in space. But the only thing it transmits to the ground is a few beeps and squeaks that you used to, used to hear on the fax machine when you called somebody. That's how little information actually gets down from those sensors. Because they never decided to compute or operationalize the computation in space. This is the powerful idea of, of Nebula and why it will change the world. And we can talk more about why it will change the world, why it's important to every human being, no matter what walk of life you're in, because it will be like saying, well, uh, why would GPS be important to me? Or why would the internet be important to me? It's the power of knowledge. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for the kind words. and. Um for everyone listening and, and watching, Steve will not take a dollar. Uh, he uh, is is to his word, and he wants to make sure that there is there is no question where his understanding and his his perspective lies. It is not it's not blurred by anything. Steve, when I talk about the opportunity in humanity, I reference some of my background in, in telecom finance and and even going back before that. You know, AT and T built five million telephone poles to connect just the United States over a hundred years. And then in 30 years, after the invention of internet and cell towers, we built 500,000 cell towers, which was an order of magnitude less infrastructure to connect the population. And now you're looking at Starlink going up and people in the space side of things think that's 30,000 units. Oh my goodness, that's too many satellites. But again, you're comparing 5 million telephone poles, 500,000 cell towers to now 30,000 satellites connecting not just the United States, but the entire globe. Uh, we also you know, really connecting that to a, to a, an experience we're all having right now, we watched what unfolded in Ukraine and specifically what Starlink was able to provide, which was access to information. And I, I would argue that it's, you know, un, unfeathered, untampered with information, unlike 
all of our terrestrial systems and what you're seeing behind the the red wall, uh, whichever red wall you want to choose. What is your perspective uh, from from that type of satellite communication? Yeah, so th this is where it really gets powerful for the human race, because I think all of us agree that most people on this planet want to be kind to their neighbor. They want to be generous and they want peace. Uh, it is a very small portion of evil actors that intentionally punish and steal and cheat and kill. And they can get away with it because it's easy to hide in the great uh, abyss of humanity. Uh, what space is going to be able to do is allow us to see truth and, and then make decisions. And it's not making judgment calls. It's just being able to understand what is going on and then you can make the judgment call. But it's doing it at the affordability that you talked about. So my analogy, what, what you're describing there is a terrestrial model that is a linear system of cell towers and it takes a lot of them or telephone poles, it takes a lot of them. Uh, a network though takes less infrastructure and communicate at lower price points per uh, event. And, and so now you're jumping to a different economic curve and you are providing now for humanity the ability to be able to see and understand what is going on around them real time uh, without the filters of narrative uh, in ways that are incredibly powerful. So now uh, you can shine a light on all evil activity. You can shine a light, more importantly said, or probably better said, you can shine a light on all activity and make your own decision on whether it's good or bad. And uh, that has never existed in humanity and it still doesn't exist. But without what Nebula is doing, it will not exist. And, and I'm sure you know everybody recognizes this and that's why there's a race. But what is important to know about history is that as this race is happening that, um, that uh, Mike just talked about, the people that get there first set the rules. And if, if, if our constitution that believes that every human being is created equal and that rule of law is the abiding contract that keeps us safe and healthy and prosperous and pursuing the free choice to pursue happiness in our own way, then we need to be there first. And we will set those rules and those rules will be the freedom that everybody on the world wants to come to America. Why? Because they can breathe freely. They can make choices for their family and they don't have to worry about somebody coming in the night and killing them and not being held accountable. You know, these are such powerful things that we take for granted in America. I got to grow up in an African tribe, so I lived this lack of security and this lack of knowledge and power. And so I, I can feel this impending choice we have as a country. Do we invest in this capability to first see and understand what's going on by being able to compute in space and then everything else becomes easy? Or do we, do we give that up to somebody else and then we can't trust what we're seeing from them? Uh, this is the, really tr the real choice for humanity and for America especially. And, uh, and, and for those venture capitalists that want to be a part of a multi-trillion dollar um, effort. Imagine the first company that is capable of connecting with all of humanity um, in ways that serve them uh, so powerfully, everybody wants to be on board. The first trillionaire will be an American company if we win this race to space.
Steve, I couldn't imagine a finer point on why now and why this. I appreciate your perspective in those words. That is extremely powerful. I want to shift a little bit into, to, to th- think more more about joy. If you were to say to fast forward, you know, a decade, even just a decade, I don't think it's going to be, you don't need to go much further than a decade. If you were to fast forward a decade, what would you see the the lay of the land and choose how you see that, whether that's geopolitical, whether that's commercial, economic, technological, pick pick a perspective. I'd love to hear what you think 10 years could be. Yeah, so here, this allows me to describe some other outcomes of what uh, you're doing with Nebula specifically. Um, if we continue to not use space for the computational power of providing in the pocket of every person in humanity the trusted information of what's going on around them, those data centers on the planet will pollute our planet out of existence. So, uh, so I'll fast forward. Let's say we are uh, successful at abiding by the rule of law and the, the principles of freedom and, um, and, and liberty in the space economy. Future generations will be able to uh, develop uh, space where it is beautiful. It's not cluttered. You, you know, it's not doing anything to harm what we have now on the planet. It is a beautiful environment where all of those things are done such that you live on a planet that is not polluted. You live on a planet where energy, information, and transportation are are taken care of in a way that does not do harm to our society. But more importantly, we can live together and travel and enjoy the variety of life, which, uh, you know, the spice of life, which is variety, that you can safely travel to any culture anywhere on the planet You don't have to deal with pollution in the ocean. You don't have to deal with smog in the air. You don't have to deal with trash heaps because space has allowed us to start a different relationship between humanity and Mother Earth. That is one of the greatest promises that this journey has in store for us, but it has to start with the information. Without that, we will be blind and dumb, stumbling around and doing damage to our environment or the earth. And this is another important point. This can be done respecting the environment of space, the moon, the asteroids. These are also creations that are beautiful for everyone and should be preserved for generations to come. And without this information layer that Nebula is leading, All of that will be clumsy. It'll be like the Wild West where people are out there, they're looking for gold, but they're murdering each other. There's no rule of law. It's who has the faster gun. And it is the the tragedy and the bloodshed and the regret that we all live with in our history was a result of not having good information and then good rule of law governance in the new economy of the Wild Wild West. We have the opportunity to not make that mistake again, but we have to invest and we have to allow ourselves to go into this space with these bigger principles in mind. Be kind to other people, be kind to Mother Earth, develop a new relationship between humanity and energy, food, water, information, transportation, healthcare, and the ability to help one another. Thank you, Steve. In all you're getting, get wisdom, right? That's the founding principle. You need intelligence. You need to understand, and and you can't walk around in the dark, uh, which I think is is what you were alluding to. 
in one of those statements. Very appreciated. Mike, do you have uh, a question you want to ask here? I think pursuing what Nebula is doing through this lens is brilliant. You know, start with freedom, start with um, liberty, start with governance and getting people to understand um, this isn't just a cash opportunity. You know, some people look at it and say, well, it's the next gold rush. We've got to make sure that there's law and order and uh, rules we can all abide by in order to um, <clears throat> manage this so it doesn't turn into a dystopian science fiction story, which it easily could. Oh, we're on the precipice of that. Yeah, that, yeah. that's very true. It, yeah. It's the power of why. You know, when you start with the why, as we all know so well, um, people now know where you're going and then they can hear more clearly the steps to get there. Steve, you were behind a report called Space Futures 2060. I think it was actually one of our mutual friends uh, that, that connected me to that document. And I know you were a, a very proud supporter of that. The outcomes were significant. Obviously, the one that I was attracted to and loved was the Star Trek outcome. Can you speak to some of those outcomes? There's only six, and they articulated what the future could be on our end. Uh, what, how, could, how would you describe that? That, that study was to actually put some meat on the bone behind um, um, how powerful space could be if we did it right a and how disaster it can, uh, disastrous it could be if we do it wrong. Uh, and uh, it, it was, again, it, the intention was to help Congress and the American people understand uh, the consequences here when we have competitors that are reaching for the stars and are, are, are doing it more aggressively than we are. We, we still build better satellites than anybody on the planet, uh, depending on what kind of satellite you want to talk about specifically. But when you talk about an architecture for capability, um, those futures that that study describes uh, really talk to what we were saying, that you can achieve a pr pr profound why if you do this right. And it's the Star Trek future where um, all the nations of the earth are united in uh, understanding what is going on in the universe and a peaceful uh, ex exploration for the knowledge of mankind, for the peaceful uplifting of everyone out of poverty, out of sickness, uh, out of all of these tragedies that play out in hundreds of thousands of millions of ways across the globe every single day. That's the Star Trek future. And that, that was true analytical rigor that showed that if we do this right, this can be the great saving grace of humanity. And we can get a, away from all this tearing down and fighting and infighting. But I wanna uh, end this question on the most important element. You, you mentioned it already, and that is a nation without a vision that can achieve this kind of powerful why will perish. And so we need at the presidential level, the president to articulate and then bring the political power so Congress is with them and understand, and the American people understand that this is reaching for a future uh, that is achievable with the technology we have today. And if we don't have that vision, if we don't have that political will, because everything is politics, sadly, but it is. 
if we don't have the political will to funnel the money to build this infrastructure, uh, we will lose it to others and we will regret it. And it will be high price in blood and treasure if we can ever get it back. Um, it, you know, looking back on history, what if Teddy Roosevelt had not built the Pan Panama Canal? Well, every ship would take twice as long and twice as much money to get to the markets that they could cut in half by going through the Panama Canal. The economic power of a vision of a president that put the political leverage to get Congress and the American people behind an idea that was very expensive, but would pay dividends beyond measure over the years. And that is the Panama Canal pales in comparison to the power of space to do all of these things. So that study puts some meat on the bone if somebody wants to read it, but the six outcomes describe how disastrous this can be if we do not have a vision and we, that vision does not animate politicians and venture capitalists to put money behind these technologies or the vision of all those whys we talked about, the betterment of humanity, the preservation of our earth and all the beauty and diversity of life that exists in every species. All of that is possible if we have a vision. But right now, we do not have a vision. We have a space force that is trapped in an air force, and it's not doing what it needs to do. And we have a country that is still looking around going, I don't understand why you're talking about space. I mean, we got to first feed the people on Earth. And they're right, we do have to feed the people on Earth. But the fastest way to feed people on the Earth and to give everybody the knowledge, the food, the water, and the healthcare, and the transportation they need to be prosperous and happy is through space. That is the fastest way to do it. And if we squander this moment, it would be like walking over a $1,000 bill to pick up the penny because you're worried about the penny. Perfectly, perfectly put. In this, in this perspective, how would you suggest someone who's listening, someone who's watching, get involved in making sure we're leaning towards that Star Trek outcome? Well, I, uh, two ways. And again, this comes back to the reality that in our system, everything is political. Without the political vision and political will, the, the, you know, the, the commercial sector will eventually get there, but too slowly. And China and Russia will be there first based on their investments and their aggressiveness. That is the reality people need to realize. So they need to talk to their politicians and demand two things, in my view. The first is that um, we need a national vision on uh, the uh, commercialization of space, the peaceful commercialization of space, with American, America leading it. That has to be the national vision that we get behind to do all these things we want to do for humanity and for America. And the second is that space force has to be independent. And if it's not, it will never move fast enough to keep up with the competition that is a country that can funnel all its money. And believe me, China's national vision is to commercialize space first. It's stated, and they are moving out faster than we are. And our elegant satellites will be no match for the armada that uh, other countries will have up there. And we we can hope that it'll be peaceful. We can hope that they will be benevolent and allow our rule of law to abide. But if they don't want to, there's not a thing we can do about it. 
Perfect, Steve. I want to thank you so much for your time. Your time and insight has always brought extreme value and clarity to me throughout this journey. I don't know if there's another person that I would say has as deep of a passion and and puts their reputation and puts their word on the line the way that you do. And I, I appreciate all that you've done for our country and all that you've done for, for Nebula and all that you've done for me as well. I thank you so much for your time uh, and consideration. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this important subject and thank you for building the future. Um, you know, you, uh, your, your audience just needs to know from my humble opinion, having watched hundreds of these companies, you look for three things. You look for the right idea, you've got it in Nebula. You look for the right strategy, you've got it in Nebula. And then you look for the right leadership that is of high integrity, high compassion, high courage, and you got it. So thank you for being the man that's gonna change the future change history and doing it humbly, honorably, and bringing everybody along with you. That uh, is the most uh, important thing and uh, the highest compliment I can pay to another human being doing something so important. Thank you, Steve.